0: It should be in the first, I don't know, 10 pages. We're going to do two Shakespeare poems. Remember I told you oh, the big one, I the, um, that I wanted you to go back to get a sense of the, the sort of norm of the tradition up until modern times. The two of you are going to sit together. You, t- you two have to behave. You to watch your company. It's good to see you both. Next week, we're going to do John Donne. I'll, I'll print it off because the poems I want to do aren't included in the packet, but we'll do those next week. Yeah, Shakespeare's Sonnets. It's just after Chaucer. It says Shakespeare's Sonnets. No, it's Shakespeare. No, it's in the thing with the... When I read these, keep in mind what we've been doing for the last three weeks, or four. I think it's been now. Remember when we did Eliot's proofrock? We, yeah. we came into the modern world, but Eliot himself was looking back to Dante. Oh, the, epigram, the epigram to proofrock, <laughs> remember, was... <laughs> <laughs> you guys did this. One, you guys... You guys, the epigram to Prufrock was um, from Dante, from the Inferno, and we saw that Proofrock was inviting us into this apparently innocent um, journey, this trip, to go along with him on this assassination, this meeting with a woman. But we saw that he lives absolutely in his own world, absolutely in his own world, and it's a lyric... So we enter into proof rocks interior. That's where the lyric is. It's not a narrative. It's not going out. We enter into the interior, usually of the poet. Traditionally, the center of the poet is the poet, and the center of the tradition is the poet expressing his love for a beloved. Uh, and then we did um, Spanish Cloister, Browning's Spanish Cloister, and then we did My Last Duchess. Mm-hmm. And there's a. Um, there's a sinister quality to My Last Duchess. It all looks innocent. He's 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 <laughs> giving an account of, of this painting that he's taken this count to, um, to remind him of the woman who was his wife who has died. And as we listen to what he says, it all seems innocent, but if we read it closely we see there's something really sinister going on. That, that there's the likelihood is that he killed her, had her killed. And when you put that together with his description of the painting that it was so perfect and so many details, and, and he had nothing good to say about his wife, we don't know her, we don't know. What we do know is him, that he, he, he loves the perfection of the painting more than he loved an actual um, flawed human being, put it that way so in the modern world we've entered into this dark interior that's not been an aspect of the lyric to speak of much at all. Dunn touches on it but not like this. So in Shakespeare we go back to a poet who was writing right at the beginning of modernity when the changes took place the reformation, the renaissance and he's if, if you read the whole sonnet cycle you'd see that there's some dark things going on in the sonnet. There's a triangle actually There's a a young lad that he has a lot of hopes for, and a dark woman. And the dark woman seems to be a woman he's in love with, so that there are passions expressed towards her and concerns for the boy. So there's a, a dramatic element. But in, in a number of the poems, he's openly expressing his love for his beloved. So in these poems, we're catching the center of the tradition again. What what the poems we've been reading have been breaking from. Okay? So Shakespeare's um, son at 73. I'm going to do 73 and 116. Both of these you, uh, most of you have probably heard already uh, or know about. The second one that I'm going to read 116 has often been read at marriages in, in place of a psalm. Um, one of my students ages ago asked me to read it at her wedding. I mean it's just a it's a lovely expression of love on the part of the poet for his beloved Sonnet 73 Shakespeare That time of year thou mayest in me behold when yellow leaves or none or few who hang upon those boughs which shake against the cold bare rune choirs where late the sweet birds sang In me thou seest the twilight of such day as after sunset fadeth in the west which by and by black night doth take away death's second self that seals up all in rest. In me thou seest the glowing of such fire that on the ashes of his youth doth lie as the deathbed whereon it must expire consumed with that which it was nourished by. This thou perceivest which makes thy love ere more strong to love that well which thou must leave ere long. And remember, the Shakespeare, we've done this before, for those of you who are, remember the Shakespeare sonnet divides down into three quatrains, three groups of four lines, with an A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, three quatrains with a rhyme rhyme scheme. And it's concluded by a couplet. So you've got three different examples of the subject, whatever it is, in this case it's the lover dying, and a conclusion, which means that it's everywhere. If it's in three places, it's going to be everywhere. So the conclusion he comes to is universal. Okay? It's a conclusion that will conclude to a lot of things. In the first quatrain, he, he says, You see in me a winter. Um, that time of year thou see in me, in, beho- um, in me behold when yellow leaves are none or you do hang. It's winter, it's death. Um, you can see it in the trees, the bareness of the leaves and the birds that have gone away. The second quatrain, he compares himself to a sunset, the day going out. So in both instances, death is present in a different form. After sunset fadeth in the west, which by and by black night doth take away. Death's second self, sleep is like a death. I um, mean, he compares himself um, to the sunset and, and sleep. The final quatrain, he compares himself to a fire going out. In me thou seest the glowing of such fire that on the ashes of his youth. So the very fact that he was as enamorous, of, as active as he was, is paradoxically um, the cause of his death. The more active he was, the more he burned himself out. It's true for all of us. This thou perceivest which makes thy love more strong, to love that well which thou must leave ere long? Since you know we're dying, since you know I'm dying, it's even more important to love now while we have each other. Uh, Sonnet 116. Same form, three quatrains and a couplet. Okay? Except in these three quatrains, he's comparing love um, to something else in a number of ways to show what love is. When I read the poem, just be aware of all the knots, the negatives. okay um, It's not this, it's not this, it's not this because one of the ways you define things is by showing what it's not. it's this.. Okay. Um at 116. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds or bends with a remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempest and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not, time's fool, the rosy lips and cheeks within its bending sickles compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. No matter what happens, love will bear it out. Um, it doesn't change with changing things. It's a never fixed mark. If this be air and upon me proved, I never writ nor no man ever loved. So you can see how different, yeah, if you compare these to Proof Rock or um, mm-hmm. the Spanish Cloister or um, My Last Duchess. we I mean, know Shakespeare's on the verge of the modern world. Some some of the poems from his sonnet cycle are very, very dark. But the beauty of these is they, they really belong in the center of that tradition that began before Christ came and, and went through the Psalms and um, extended into our modern world. So,
1: Do you know how old he was when he did his sonnets?
0: You know I don't. Isn't that funny? I probably did it sometime. I, don't, I can't even remember. I don't know if he
1: was like... In the middle of his life, or not at the end of his life?
0: Mike, the guess because it's been too long. I mean, I'm sure at one point when I was teaching this, I knew it. My guess would have been that it would be in the middle of his life because mm-hmm. he's not he's not doing anything like this, um, and he wrote a number of um, they're not quite lyrics; they're almost more like narrative lyrics. Um, um, but something changes after his tragic period. Mm-hmm. You know, the Hamlet and Julius Caesar and Othello and all of those, Macbeth. Um, his last plays are what, what critics call romances. Um, I call them sacramental because what's going on in them has a view of, of the Nix world entering our world in amazing, amazing ways. Those of you who are aware, if you, did, if you remember Winter's Tale, you know what I'm talking about. We may do Winter's Tale again for this group because it's, it's just extraordinary. I would say somewhere in the middle of his life, Mm -hmm. early middle, um, but I'm not, don't hold me. Oh, no,
1: I'm just, this his early middle. (laughs) Okay,
0: quickly, um, I want to get through um, the review as quickly as I can. Three three things that I want to look at, looking back, the theme of the wholeness of sight and some of the differences that emerge between, the temporal world as we see it in purgatory, and, and things that are said that point to or imply heaven, because they're really important. Remember, um, if, if, I, if I could put purgatory in a nutshell, it would be something like this. In purgatory, um, people are trying to do away with the selfishness that defines their lives. I really can't put it better. When, when man disobeyed God, the love that was fully directed towards him, an infinite desire, a desire that would go on forever, desires are endless, right? You, we all know that. We think when we get something we're going to be satisfied. As soon as we get it, we want more. Our desires are endless. The only way that those desires will ever be answered is with an infinite object, something that in itself would accommodate all those desires. Once we turn those desires away from God, once we broke from Him, those desires got turned in on ourselves. We made ourselves. So the greater part of everything we do, some part of everything we do, has a selfishness to it. Even when we think we're helping other people, there's something often self-serving. Hard to see. Um, so what purgatory is doing is answering that self-love and in the process of doing it, helping people to see differently, and recover their power to love another, as God did freely, not the way we do selfishly. Um, so, I, I use the the um, Saint Thomas's and Saint Augustine's um, image of the Trinity remember that, um, that there are three persons in the trinity and that each one of them is not more or less than the trinity itself that's a, a really difficult concept um, because in our world you know one is i've done this before but remember one is less than two and three and two and three are more than one because we quantify things in the trinity it's not so god the father is not less than the son and holy spirit he is one with the whole of the Trinity just as they are one. There are no parts because they're all being. One is as much of the Trinity as the other. When God can, because He's all being, when He conceived Himself, the Son He conceived was one with His being. That's why we say one God. The love between the two was all being. It's all love. So one is ne- never less or more than the others. Each one is a whole unto Himself. That's paradoxical to our minds, but the reason for putting that out is, in my mind, really important because um, it's important to see that the love that we once had for God partakes of that wholeness. After the fall, one of the effects of the fall is that we tend to see each other in terms of parts and wholes. I'm one, David's one, you know, we're all part of a whole. And we tend to see each other in terms of a dichotomy. Um, I, subject, he, she, object. We tend to objectify each other. One of the effects of the fall is that we turn each other into objects. We use each other. We see that constantly in hell. Other people satisfy their sins. Um, Men use women as objects. Women use men as objects it's a part of our fall even if we do it differently that's our nature that's one of the effects of the fall what's going on in purgatory is that at each level the penitents are doing pen- penance for their sins remember pr- interesting we think that pride is the most important pride means you're not loving another person more than yourself you're loving yourself more than another person you're not giving your life for that person even if you're doing something you think is good for that person. The real question is, is what you're doing for that other person's good at the expense of yourself? Are you sacrificing yourself for the good of another? Or is what you're doing, even if you think it's for the good of another person, really for yourself? So many of the works that we, of literature that we've been dealing with have been dealing with that. C.S. Lewis's *To We Have Face It. You remember that if those of you who did this work, the greatest concern of that book for Lewis is the possessiveness of love. It's mine. Tolkien did the same thing when you look at Gollum. It's mine. I want it. And we we saw that Gollum was really an image of so much of when, what went on with all the characters in that trilogy. All the kings, all the men, all the women. It's mine. It's mine. My wife, my husband, my child, my kingdom, my money, mine. You know, it's, that, it's mine. Don't touch it. It's my space, my body. Um, as the souls move up purgatory, the the first thing they've got to deal with is their pride. Because if they don't learn to put themselves away, they'll never be able to do the other things. and that, So that's going to be the hardest. And remember what Dante learns in the beginning. Um, the farther he goes up the mountain, the easier it gets. It's the reverse of what we feel in real life. When we go up a mountain, we all know that we get more and more tired as we go Spiritually, what happens is the reverse. When we get rid of our pride, our envy, our wrath, we get better. Our sight clears. We learn learn to see another as another self so we can enter into a union with them, become one with each other. So the original wholeness we have, like the wholeness that God shared with the Son and the Spirit and that the Son shared with the Father and Spirit and the Spirit, that wholeness returns to us. So, in a sense, this is really amazing, in a sense, the self goes away. There's no longer a concern with the self. The love of another becomes so complete, so whole, that we become one with another. being. It's what the church calls one flesh. We don't give a thought to it, But that's what it is. So, in every act of penance, at every level, um, a sin is stripped away, and the human being gets closer and closer to recovering that wholeness that he once had with God. And we'll see that in a really dramatic way. you, You already see it in some degree with Virgil because Virgil, in I think one of the readings today, he'll say, I already knew what you were thinking before you said it. It's going to be a commonplace in the Paradiso. Beatrice knows what's in Dante long before he speaks it. And he begins to see in her, because they're beginning to indwell. To be one with another. In Buddhism, the individual self is given up. You you enter into an amalgam. It's just a mess. In Christianity, you keep your uniqueness because you're made in the image of God. Each person's unique, but you also become capable of entering into a union, a perfect union with others. Okay. So memory's really important, remember, because we we turn to our memories when we try to recover what's lost. The whole climb of purgatory is is partly a recovery of what everybody once had and that everybody longs to have again. And as they go up, they get closer and closer to that wholeness that, they, that they've that they lost. Let me stop. I, we've gone over this now for a couple weeks, so I'm assuming any questions on that? Particularly the, the image of the Trinity. I know it's a difficult one, but it's so important. It's, it's, not, it's not meant to be a philosophical abstraction. It's a dynamic that should inform everything we do. If God made us in his image, we're Trinitarian by nature. <clears throat> I I am, I know, I love. I love. Um, we were created to love and be loved. That we're, we're meant to be in union. Think about how different that is from Milton. Remember, God's solitary, Adam's solitary. That, where did the view that the Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son come from? I, I, I don't know that I can answer that, David. I, I'm, I know it's there in, in uh, St. Augustine. I, I know for sure because it's one of remember I said he's got around 25 26 um, examples of the Trinity in our life. The most important is the one I gave you. And the, and the one of the, um, the lover and the beloved and the love between them. There's a lover and a beloved, one di- one kind a beloved, another, and the union between them a third, because the union between them is different than either one. That's already in St. Augustine. I don't know, you know, if there are already. It's hard to believe that there weren't. I've said this before: the the Trinity images of the Trinity are already present in the pre-Christian world. I mean, if you go back to Homer, you've got um, prefigurations of it. It's hard to believe that there aren't early Christian writers who who work with Plato and Aristotle because both Plato and Aristotle had Trinitarian aspects to their thinking. I mean, I can name those, but the early Church Fathers who begin to articulate it and frame it more clearly—I don't know—but I, I I know one of the first major, probably the first major book on it is Saint Augustine's *The Trinity* on the Trinity. Okay sight. The reason sight is so important is because we we can't love what we don't know. It's important to see well. So what's going on at purgatory is that each level people are learning to recover their sight. And what we're seeing is the way they saw things was wrong even with their eyes wide open. I talked about that last week that so often when we get the images in the Bible of Christ healing somebody giving them their sight back. We think about it in terms of physical sight. I think it's always important to recall that there's also something else going on because it's hard for him to cure somebody if they don't have faith. And if he cures them, it's going to change through their faith what they see, how they see. They're not going to see the world. As, as a matter of fact, we talked about it a week ago. Remember when he, when, he, uh, gave, when he healed the blind man took him outside of the village? His first words, this is amazing, his first words were, do not go back to the village. Why? You'll go back to seeing things the way you did. I mean, talked, We don't see well. We th- the problem with us in our pride, we th- particularly if we think we don't have pride, I think that we're in trouble. We all have it. We think because we see so well and we're so competent that we don't need help. What, what the good poets have been showing is what Dante's showing us is we don't see well at all. We don't read well, we don't see well. So, at each level, the penance that they're undertaking is giving them back their sight. As they learn to see better, they'll love better because the two are joined. So at the level of the proud, remember the souls are bent over with these large boulders on their backs because they did not, they weren't humble enough to do little things. Now they've got to pick up these boulders. The, the goads are right in front of them on the path. They can't avoid them. As they go around crawling on the path, they, ha- they see these examples of pride. So they're always stung. They're constant reminders of their pride. In order to, in order to find encouragement, they have to look at the side of the mountain because remember the, 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 sorry, the goads are on the side of the mountain. The checks are on the floor. They have to strain their heads. What an important image. For us to change the, the way we see, we have to struggle against ourselves to do something that we don't ordinarily do, when in our pride, we think we see so well and don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Of course I did that right. What do you mean I didn't do that right? You know, we, we've got an answer for everything. Um, so they're, they're having to strain in the level of the envious. Um, remember their eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. We've gone through this, I'm just mm-hmm. reviewing, yeah? yeah? Their eyes are closed because the way they looked at the world made the world blacker than it was. Mm -hmm. They wanted to see bad things happen. If they looked at with eyes of envy, they wanted to see the bad. So Sapia, remember, expressed her pleasure when her townspeople were destroyed. When when somebody has something you don't want and they lose it, you're glad. So we're seeing the, the, the way we see Ref, reflects our spiritual condition. We see so often through pride and envy and we darken the world. We make it something that it isn't. We, we, we have to learn to change our insight if we're to see the goodness of the world as it is. Um, I gave the example, I, I love the example with Guido. Remember when Guido said, um, the trouble with you is, or the trouble here and that level of envy is, is there's this sharing of partnerships that affects us. And I asked what that was. You all remember? I hope.
1: I don't think it was this class. I
2: think it was the Monday class or the Friday. Well, no, class. Yeah. we had to
0: do it because we did it last week. We did, we I did the, we did that. the envy. We had to. Holy cow! Here, holy cow! We did the envy. Of it,
1: didn't? No, we didn't.
0: Do we do the angry? Angry? In this class, somebody help me here. Do we do the angry, Carl? I do heard so. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was when Mary uh, where was yes.
2: saying,
1: you know, saying, Why did you do this? No, we, we
0: didn't go That school. was
1: we didn't go. Yeah, we didn't what go up that? to Ratho. Well Wow. We
0: didn't do wrathful, no. No, we didn't do, I know we didn't do wrathful. I'm I'm yeah. talking about the proudful yeah. and the envious. I have here that opposite of virtual. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how we ended it. That's how we ended it. Let me just go back quickly. Guido said. Let me get the page. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wait, 254. Let me go back. I want to be sure we're together here because I, sometimes I get lost between the two classes. <coughs> Not your fault, mine. So
3: 254.
0: <laughs> you, we did this, didn't we? I know we did the ledges because I remember ask, telling you guys when you looked at the when the proudful looked at the... The mountain face. His one of his senses said yes, and one of his senses said no. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then. And the point of, I wanted to make then is that's really important because what Dante's showing us is that God's art is er, God's working everywhere. We've got to open our eyes to see it. What's on the face of the mountain are examples of humility. It was Mary and David and right. Um, um, it was. Um, <laughs> Orestes uh, friend, um, and when they look down, they see examples of the sin of pride. So what he's saying is, we have got to be awake. <clears throat> we live in a world in which people are always giving us examples of one or the other. That's just going on. People are either going to be proud or they're going to be humble, and we're meant to learn so that when we're with people and we somebody see somebody who's too proud, we have we have to learn to see ourselves in that and say no. If we see humility. We want to emulate that. We want to say, "I want to do that." If we're not, we're <laughs> we're letting our pride and envy get in the way. Yeah. I hope that's obvious. Yeah, uh, we think we think we're above it, and so we don't have to do those things. I mean, is there greater evidence of pride in our life. If we're learning as we should, we will learn from everything, because every, that's why the ch- God, that's why the church says, "and be everywhere and always thankful." We've got to learn to be thankful for the bad things because they're a help for us to not do those things. So God's graces are everywhere if we opened our eyes. And um, remember, on page 254, now I've got to ask you. Remember, the first was, I am Umberto. The sin of pride is run through all of his family, he says. The next one down below is, um, he's Odorisi. He was a painter. Mm -hmm. And the last one um, on 256 was um, Provezan Silvani. He was a political figure who went down on his knees, something he'd never done in his life, uh, on behalf of a friend, and to do something that he'd never done, I mean, to humiliate himself. like. And I thought I asked, didn't I ask, what's the relationship between them, the order? Pride
4: and family, political disagreement, Pride and political
0: power. Right. So we did do it,
4: yeah. but
1: not the way you phrased it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have you have six more months on the level of proud.
1: <laughs>
0: I just don't remember it that way. <laughs> um, here, here, could I have your? I didn't, and didn't I go into this that that I the reason Dante puts them in that order is significant that he's showing the. The graver dangers, he's putting them in that order so that we can learn. And I, I tried to illustrate it. I think from the scripture, if we look at scripture, the two gravest dangers that Christ deals with all the time, spiritual dangers to us, are religious leaders. Oh, yeah. And the family.
1: Oh, yes, that I remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Would you sit on her for a while, please? Go. Um, the... The here, listen. There's no. There's no accident to this. The family's as dangerous it is because that's where our greatest loves begin. Men mm-hmm. and women have a child. They take pride in it. The, the danger is: do they see their pride? Do they have control of it? I mean, you know, are they doing what they should do? Are they living for God, or are they living for their family and making their family? everything? Because if they do, we know where that goes. We know where that goes. So every level, Dante's helping to open our sight um, as the penitents have their sight opened. We learn to see more clearly what's around us and what it means for us. When, when he went to the next level, remember, and he meets Guido and um, um, Sapia... is on two sixty seven. Mm-hmm. Remember, she said, "I raised my shameless face to God." That, that's just a yeah. terrifying passage to me. Just terrifying. I raised my. She wanted to see her countrymen, her townspeople killed um, out of envy. Mm-hmm. When they were being destroyed, when her own townspeople were being killed, she says, "I raised my shameless face to God and cried. I have lost all my fear of the God." That's a frightening thing. As, as if God did, I'm not I'm shocked that she is where she is That's she's saying. Yeah, she's, we... she's there because of prayers because what she's saying is I want God to do my will right now in doing this God's doing what I want him to do as if she could control him right mm-hmm. I have lost all my fear of thee you're doing what I want now I'm now I'm proud of you God. frightening What's
3: Um. Going
0: It was on the basis of prayers from somebody who loved her that helped her come. Then he meets Guido on page 272, who talks about his envy, and he says in the middle of 272, I sowed this envy now, I reap this straw, O human race, why do you place your hopes where partnership must always be denied? When Dante goes to the next camp, or Cornus, 277, he asks Virgil at the bottom, what did that spirit from Romania mean who spoke of partnership and of denial? Knowing the price he pays for his worst fault, he answered, naturally he censors it, hoping that others will have less to bear. Because you make things of this world your goal, which are diminished as each shares in them, and envy pumps hard the bellows of your size. But if your love were it for lofty spheres, your cravings would aspire for the heights, and fear of loss would not oppress your heart. Didn't I give you the example of the of the pecan pie and Thanksgiving? Yes. 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 Yeah, okay. Remember I said if if okay. Auntie she Celia or whoever makes a, a good she pecan a pie. pie, she makes two pies, and you've got two families coming with kids, and then you suddenly get the news that Aunt Mordred is coming who's got six kids. What's oh, your response yes, gonna be?
3: Yeah. Okay now I remember.
0: Get to the pie first. <laughs> no, save
1: calories. I
0: guess you can get this bad. I hope they have an accident on the way. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no! What I what I what I loved about on on uh, Friday morning when when I brought this question up last week, one of the parishioners, um, very thoughtful guy, just is just always my he's so attentive, and he saw. He said, "What what you should feel when you learn." that somebody else is coming, is you should be glad that you're going to share in it.
3: Yeah.
0: The opposite of of envy. Right. So, and then I asked, why why was the beatitude, blessed are the merciful? Mm-hmm. That's where we closed, I thought. Why is that beatitude appropriate for envy? Mm-hmm. I thought I went into that, did I? Yeah, because yeah.
1: you said that was the opposite of envy, mercy.
0: Explain it. Just make it clear so... <laughs> It just makes sense. Do you have it, Chester? Um, no Andy's when you're happy, happy when somebody loses something. So, right.
1: And mercy is someone yeah. gives you something.
0: Or you're happy when... You're, happy. you're sad. Okay. Sad when sad. they lose sad. Okay, yeah, they're right. sad. That's right. Which so, means okay. you're happy <clears throat> when somebody...
2: Get something. Kids Get
0: a, something. Everybody okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the opposite. Of course, right? in logic here.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Are we all Is everybody okay? Okay. So, and I love this image. Take a look. Same page or or here? No, go back. Um, I love Virgil's. Yeah.
4: Oh, where, sorry, God bless.
0: <laughs> that image of a of a of a light from heaven going to a mirror. I wasn't planning on doing this, but um, yes, it reflects. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Where is everybody
0: here? God bless. Friday. It's Father
1: down. So.
0: God bless. That's right, you guys. That's the sun. Right. Over here on page two seventy eight. Two seventy eight. This is Virgil explaining things. We just were here a minute ago. And he, since you insist on limiting your mind to thoughts on worldly things, because we're in a, we're, we're in a finite world. Everything's finite, contingent, mm-hmm. right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a world in which things can be lost. Can anything be lost in heaven? Mm-mm. Absolutely not. And he, since you insist on limiting your mind to thoughts of worldly things... Wait, by the way, what does the church constantly say to us? Constantly says, make your judgments according to eternal things. Over and over and over, we're supposed to be making our judgments based on that, not understand. here. Yeah. And and Christ is not saying be imprudent, because Christ asks us to be prudent, but we're we're supposed to take our bearings from God, always in whatever we do. Since you insist in limiting your mind to thoughts of worldly things alone, from the true light you reap only the dark. Of course. That infinite, ineffable, true good that dwells in heaven speeds instantly to love as light rays to a shining surface would. Just as much ardor as it finds, it gives. The greater the proportion of our love, the more eternal goodness we receive. When somebody enters into heaven, are things going to be diminished? No, they won't, obviously. But here's the amazing thing. If you keep in mind that Image I gave a while ago of the wholeness of the Trinity, Mm -hmm. the Father's not less than or more than. If that's the condition of heaven, and every soul has overcome that dichotomy, it's no longer I, you. It's we. It's we. It's we. But it's just hard to. It's this indwelling wholeness Mm -hmm. that each person becomes one with another. Each time a person enters heaven, everybody. It's not only. It's a multiplication of the fish, Mm -hmm. infinitely. Because that one person will shine off of the shiny surfaces of whatever infinite number of souls there are there. So, is everybody following? The the radiance and the joy is exponential. It'll take on that wholeness that we saw in the Trinity because that's the nature of God. To return to Him is to enter into that fullness. That's why Christ is called the fullness of being. That's why he could multiply the fish. That's why he could die and rise again. And and remember, in the Eucharist, I am the bread of life. The ancestors ate man from the desert. In me you find the fullness of life. Follow me, love as I do. Is is love um, contrary to law in Christ? No. 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 He came to fulfill a law. I've been harping on this. Because what are the souls on purgatory doing? They're coming into conformity with a law. They're they're making themselves just. They're, They're obeying a law they didn't. And they're learning to love while they do that. Love and law are coming together. Perfectly. They're not separated the way we separate too much in our life. Is everybody following? Do I need to stop? I'm going to go back to mercy. <laughs> no, let's go ahead.
4: <laughs> Come on, go, Mark. Give me your definition of mercy, please. But
3: it was the opposite of envy, and it was feeling... Good, feeling... You're sad when envious, you're happy with somebody okay. loses out. But, and wait. if you're merciful, you're Sad. sad when somebody wait, wait
0: hold on and let me try because you asked. let me give you this so if you do have a remember when he gives the Beatitudes he, he's in a sense and this is this is one of the readings a while ago
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's it, it's just amazing to watch what happens that's almost the, the beginning of the preparation time for Lent was the Beatitudes a week or two ago what he was doing was critiquing the world absolutely everything in the world those of you who think you're happy because you've got all this wealth, guess again. Those of you who think you've got, you know, he goes over and over and over and he goes, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are the poor in spirit. They don't have God. They're in poverty. They will be blessed because the one thing they want more than anything else that they don't have now, God. The merciful are blessed because um, they mourn, they're sad when somebody loses something. Which means, if they are, they will be happy when somebody gets something. So I, I think that's what's behind that blessing when Christ gives it. Go ahead. But mercy denotes
4: deservedness. And one of the examples, classically, is Napoleon, where there was an episode that another soldier had not done something correctly and was going to be basically shot. And the mother came to Napoleon and begged for his life. And he granted mercy because he had the power to do so. Mm And and, and she goes, but my son doesn't deserve it. And he goes, then it wouldn't be mercy. And so there's a deservedness to granting mercy or getting mercy that that you really don't deserve it. So I'm trying to juxtapose juxtapose that kind of definition with the feeling platter or, or whatever it
0: was. and no, 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 I can't. Yeah. Does anybody want to yeah, respond to uh, Mark's question? You
1: deserve it. It sounds like, well, well we a little pride in there. I deserve mercy because... No, well, no, 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 no but you don't
0: deserve, don't deserve it.
4: Oh. Mercy is given to you when you don't deserve it. Right. right? Otherwise, it's not mercy. Okay. Right? You, you, you are proud or yes. you failed and somebody grants you mercy, that, mm-hmm. you know, God's grace, whatever you want to call it. So I'm trying to...
0: I thought what you these. first said, I, I thought, maybe I misheard you, Mark, but it, what you first said was the opposite of what you just said. Uh, yeah. Um, but what you just said, I think, is truer, that mercy means you're given something you don't deserve. Mm-hmm. The issue always with that is, what do you do with the law that's in question? There, there, can't, be, there can't be a mercy without reference to a law. Mercy doesn't exist in a vacuum. It comes because there's a violation of a law. So it's always related to a law. We've been going over this again and again since we were in the Inferno. Remember, in the Inferno, everybody has only justice. That's it. They didn't want anything more. They didn't have the humility. In purgatory, they're answering a law, but they're being helped to do something they can't do on their own. So a mercy's been given that's above what they deserve. And And the two... And the two things are being reconciled, brought together.
2: But okay, so if I'm envious of somebody, isn't it because I think they're getting something they don't deserve and I'm not getting it? Like to me, if I'm envious yeah. then That's they got something spell. they don't deserve and I'm mad. If I'm merciful, right. somebody got something they didn't deserve Sad. and I feel mercy towards them, it's like, okay, yeah, they didn't really deserve it, but I'm glad they.
0: Yeah, I don't know, Mary. I... Work is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that gets yeah. closer. That, yeah, that's closer. That's, closer. That's, that's closer. I, I would only, yeah. huh? Sorry, Beth. Go ahead. I go along with Mary. What's what's the difference
1: between envious and jealousy, then?
0: Hmm? They're pretty. Clo- I always associate jealousy with romantic lovers. Oh. But I, I, here, listen. I want to. I want to get back because we've got so much to do. Mary, the only thing that I would add is I'm not sure. Um, that you're you're only envious when somebody gets something they don't deserve, because I can imagine people being envious when somebody gets something that they deserve, but you don't, yeah. and you're still envious. Yeah. Right.
3: Let's. let's brother, yeah. You
0: I mean, if somebody can get something they deserve. Well, let's say your brother earns something and he gets an A or a reward in school, and he gets it, and you're not. A, they don't recognize you. Somebody's being recognized. Somebody's being given something. You're not. Right. Envy mean envy means not being glad for that person. There's something in you, some voice, aware that somebody's getting something you're not. Nope. So it, it may not always. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go any farther. Because okay. we know, we've got a lot to cover. Then Think jealousy about this.
1: must be when you don't get it, even though you deserved it. Then. I don't know.
0: People are envious. They are. I mean. I'm, it, it's infinitely everywhere, and, and I, I'm. I mean, I know it myself. I know it in literature. Well, there's, there's Let's go it. on.
1: I know, but there's got to be a degree of envious because it's something like if you deserved it as well and you didn't get it, and they had to choose between two people, you could still be envious, but then still be happy that they got it.
0: But some people aren't. I mean, that, that happens. I know that happens. I, I, so I'm, I sometimes I've watched grandchildren, and I can remember, you know, going back. I, I can't believe all of us don't have this: that one of the siblings gets something that he deserves, and the other one pouts or gets upset, or you know, mm-hmm. he's just he didn't get it. Or be, because, hey, let me put it differently: Let's <laughs> try to cover it generally. If there's something selfish in us, if there is, and I'm claiming today it's universal, yeah. that when we turn nice. away from God. We've got to, str- each one of us, I've been saying this, the most important task for every one of us in our life is to order our loves, because they're disordered. If we're selfish, if we are, if you accept that, when somebody gets something and you don't, even if they deserve it, there's going to be a temptation to envy. Envy and pride are the most basic sins to all, remember, these are the most basic. And the next is wrath. Let's go there.
1: All right, let's go there, because we didn't get the wrath. I know that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, When Dante and and Virgil arrive on the level of the wrathful, Marco approaches them. 282. Let's see if Mm -hmm. I can get this this is really important I think we I can't remember I thought we got here but maybe we didn't 283 283 he sees souls um, engulfed in smoke Mm -hmm. why is that an appropriate contrapasso?
1: because they can't see through smoke
0: why is that appropriate for anger for for wrath you can't see because of your anger yeah you know our passions so take over us that we I mean I'm sure all of us know those moments that you can't see well Right. I mean, you're you're so angry that right, blinded in your wrath. So smoke is appropriate here. Remember, at every one of the levels, um, the, the penitents are learning to see differently. Um, Two eighty-two, as they arrive, I heard a voice somewhere that spoke these words. My master said, "Answer his questions first. Remember, it said um, above. I could hear voices which all seemed to pray, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, that is, be merciful and grant them peace. Each prayer they sang with Agnus Dei, Lamb of God. Why is Lamb of God the the appropriate song, um, prayer at this level?
3: Take away the
2: sins of the world.
0: That was
3: the mercy part, I
2: think. Mm -hmm. Because of the image of meekness. Yes,
0: good for you. <laughs> Did you read that? Okay. And you're
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> Here, listen,
0: Lamb <laughs> of God. Everybody <laughs> of us, everybody, think about that for a moment. Lamb of God. You're not this great. Look at my accomplishments. Right. Look what I've done. Um, the envy. Look. By the way, how is this for a temptation of envy? Look at what I've done. Hold me up for. How is that for a temptation of envy? Is everybody following me? I mean. Anybody here, I mean, what I'm doing is tempting somebody to envy. Just look at me how good I am. The Lamb of God is so crucial because it's a lamb. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more meek. He's called the Lamb of God because it's the very opposite of wrath. So pride is the feeling, the the love of wanting to be above somebody else. Self-love. Envy is the the love of wanting to see somebody fall below you yeah wrath not anger it's crucial to see that anger is not a sin wrath is um, be clear in that because the the, the world gets re, so screwed up on it wrath is the is the um, harm you want to see to somebody else for doing harm to you mm-hmm. you're pretend. so angry you want to hurt somebody right. The answer to that? Lamb of God. The meekness of. Mm -hmm. So at every one of these levels, the the souls are learning to strip away the blindness that keeps them from loving another the way God does. They hear these voices. So here, voices come through the air. That is, they've got to learn to see beyond themselves. Right? I could hear voices. and The first one was Mary again. Mm Um, over on two—is everybody okay? On two eighty-three, I'm I'm Marco Lombard. Um, this is so important, I believe. I was a Lombard. Marco was my name. I knew about the world. I love that good at which men now no longer aim their bows. That path um, you're on will lead you to the stairs. Thus he replied. Then added, "Now I pray that you will pray for me." when you go above, everybody is asking everybody else to pray for them. Mm-hmm. It's, wait, by the way, it's like the multiplication of the fishes. Mm-hmm. Again, That's every nice. time you pray, you're praying to somebody. The, 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 the Trinity is multiplying. Pray for me. He'll pray. Others will pray. Um, I promise you to do what you've asked. I said, but there's a problem haunting me. I can no longer keep it to myself. I first was made aware of it below and how it plagues my mind a second time For your words, second, what I first heard there. The world, indeed, as you have just declared, is destitute of every virtue known, swarming with evil. What's the one good that everybody has lacked? Virtue. What's the aim of every cornice? Virtue. Yes? If this, remember, if. I believe this deeply. Purgatory is not something that's supposed to wait until after our life. Purgatory is an image of the church on earth. This is the community in which we work trying to help each other get better. What's the aim of each level? To become virtuous. More and more and more virtuous. What's the virtue opposite pride? Humility. Humility. What's the virtue opposite envy? Mercy. Okay. Mercy. Okay. What's the virtue opposite anger? Meek. Meekness. Meek. Watch those. Every one of those is saying, put yourself away, put yourself away, mm-hmm. put yourself away. I'm trusting everybody. I know I'm not speaking just for myself. Trying to put ourselves away? How easy is that? Mm-hmm. Why is the image of purgatory a mountain? Because it is a hard really thing. hard, hard thing. struggle. Okay. What's lacking is the and look at our world. Who appreciates virtue in our world? Whoever talks about it. Watch this. This is Dante ama- This is Dante, thirteenth century. By the way, he's,
3: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You're a mama. <laughs> um, um.
0: Pre-Christian times. Fate. Just hold on to that. Pre-Christian. Chaucer talks about fate, stars. When we, If, we, if we're we all together after this, we'll see it. Here's what Marco says. Nobody loves virtue anymore. What's the cause of this? Please make it clear that I may teach the truth to other men. What's so not doing? Bringing back the truth of it. A deep sigh run by grief into alas came first and then. The world, brother, is blind, and obviously the world is where you're from. You men on earth attribute everything to the sphere's influence alone as if with some predestined plan they moved all things what's in the way people's belief that all things are determined (laughs) there is no free will everything's determined hold on to that thought for just a second if this were true then our free will would be annihilated it would not be just to render bliss for good or pain or evil the spheres initiate your tendencies not all of them but even if they did you have the light that shows you right from wrong Mm -hmm. and your free will which Though it may grow faint, in its first struggles with the heavens can still surmount the obstacles if nurtured well. That is, we we receive things from parents, from environment, from our nature. There are certain things determined. Mm -hmm. And even if they're determined, we still have free will. We can surmount them. We can answer them. We still have to answer for being good or evil. Um, What are the dominant philosophies of the modern world? Darwin? Freud, N- neither one of whom believes in free will. Freud does not; he's explicit about that. He believes that each one of us is born with these determinisms that take, in his mind, what he calls a sexual form, poly- polymorphous, perverse. Darwin believed that all things were a product of forces, blind forces that are just evolving, and you know that, that the superior kinds will outlast the. But those are forces that shape things. What are the dominant forces, shaping forces in our world? Biological sciences, Darwin, Freud. They're all, they're all based on beliefs and determinisms. Has anything changed in our world? How many people believe it? How many people even talk about virtual today? It's not a word. It's not a thing. It's not real. What's real is Darwin, evolution, Freud. I and mean, You can go down the list. Has things changed since the 13th century? Are They're we taking people? God and religion more and more away. Out. Yeah. So, um, Dante's is writing in the 13th century. This was as true in the first century before Christ as it was true three centuries afterwards. There have always been beliefs in fate, destiny, predestination. Calvin, Christian, predestination, man has no free will
4: got to cut some slack. They were also using leeches to get rid of them. They yeah. thought that was the right thing
0: to do. Well, Mark, you may yes. want to, you can go ahead. Wait, by the way, if I if I encounter, a just on a personal note, if I encounter somebody, I, I will do everything I can to love that person. But give that person slack or go around this, there's no way in the world I'm going to do it. For me, the implications of that are so dark. Take Christ out of the picture, change him and make him what you want. No. Talk to somebody else. Um, I, I, I. There will. I I hope to God. I mean, if I know myself, I will not come away from a discussion feeling bad about what I've done because I will do everything I can um, to love that person, to be respectful, to be courteous, and still disagree. I've done that often. I mean, I disagree with people a lot and say it. You know, I mean, we're asked to engage, to talk with each other. We can agree to disagree. It's one of the reasons I've been saying over and over again my hope for this group is that we become more able to give a defense of our faith in a rational discussion so that you you can defend it. You're not just you know, dismissed or particularly if you're Catholic. (laughs) America is is fundamentally instinctively anti-Catholic. I can't believe everybody doesn't know that in one form or another. Okay, let's go on. Um,
4: so did we go from wrath, or we're still in wrath? <laughs>
0: I'm I'm looking to find out where I am. Where? Hold on, I I think we're about ready to leave it. David. Good.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Um,
1: Slothful. Oh boy. A comfy chair. Oh, comfy chair indeed.
0: Sloth. Okay, here's... <laughs> Can I um, turn to the next page? We're still with Marco. This is really important because this is the prelude to Virgil's two discourses which form the center of the work. So we are we are at the heart of the community. Virgil didn't put them at the center by accident. They are at the heart they are the center of this because they are, in a sense, the very core, the center of our belief. The, the one I just gave you on free will. There has not been an age in which humans have lived that has not believed in determin- determinism in some form or other. Every age. In Chaucer's age, Christian, Catholic, he'll talk about the the, the determinisms of the spheres. That if you're born, and you all know this, if you're born at <laughs> a certain month that you'll be under the influence of a combination of stars. Because that's that's their way. It's you, We shouldn't laugh at it. That's their way to explain s- something that is determined in our nature. It's in all of us. There, there are things that are determined for us. Our birth, our parents. But that doesn't deny free will. That what, No matter what those things are, God still gave us free will to exercise in whatever we do in the world, the choices that we make. So Marco is still continuing to to talk with Dante about the nature of the free will and love and what happens to a human being when he's born into the world. So we're coming right now to the very crux of the entire work, 284. The spheres initiate your tendencies, not all of them, I just read that. Go down a few lines. So if the world today has gone astray, the cause lies in yourselves and only there, as you carefully explain that cause. From the fond hand of God, who loves her even before he gives her being, there issues forth, just like a child, all smiles and tears at play, the simple soul, pure in its ignorance, which, having sprung from her creator's joy, will turn to anything it likes. At first, she is attracted to a trivial toy. Until beguiled, she will run after it. If guide or curb, do not divert her love. Men, therefore, need, needed the restraint of laws. needed a ruler able to at least discern the towers of the true city. True, the laws there are, but who enforces them? No one, the shepherd who is leading you can chew the cud but lacks the cloven hoof. Hoof. And so the flock that see their shepherds greed for the same worldly goods that they have craved are quite content to feed on what he feeds. As you can see, bad leadership has caused the present state of evil in the world, not nature that has grown corrupt in you. It gets He's elaborating. On Rome that brought the world to know the good, once shone two suns that lighted up two ways, the road of this world, the road of God. The one sun is put out, the other's light. The sword is now one with the crook and fused together, thus must bring about misrule. Go down. Tell the world this. The Church of Rome, which fused two powers into one, as sunk in muck, defining both herself and her true rule. What's wait going over two hundred and eighty six top? Well argue, my dear Marco, I replied, and now I understand why Levi's sons were not permitted to inherit wealth. Okay, let's flesh this out. What's going on? What does he mean? Let's take those three those three points bottom of 284 the problem the shepherd who is leading you can chew the cud but lacks the cloven hoof so the flock that see their shepherd's greed for the same worldly goods that they have craved are quite content to feed on what he feeds what's the problem there? that you follow the bad yeah, that's part of it Who's the, sh- the shepherd who is leading you can chew the cud but lacks the cloven religious hoof religious leaders? Hmm? yeah your religious leaders What's the problem specifically? The shepherd who's leading you can chew the cud but lacks the cloven hoof. What's Dante saying? He's a goat wow. instead of
2: a sheep. Sorry. He's a goat instead of a sheep. No, they're going to buy the goat, they're the
0: sheep. <laughs> <laughs> the the job of the pope. It is the pope. He's criticizing right here. The job of the pope is to chew the cud. Meaning what?
1: Decipher what?
0: Chewing the cud is a metaphor. Describing meditation, oh, prayer, between yeah. going over things. Okay. Lacks the cloven hook, What does he lack? Sword. The sword, the, the, the cloven hoof to inflict pain.
3: Consequence. He can't.
0: Wait, wait, because he doesn't have that. So on Rome that brought the world to know the good, once once shown two sons that lighted up the way, the road of this world and the road of God. The one son has put out the other. The sword is now one with the crook. Right. You know the crook is
1: the shepherd's staff. Good.
0: What's the problem? He's taken over he the, the city, Rome. Po- that is politics. So he doesn't have the power to inflict, to enforce laws. Remember, this is we've seen this again and again and again. We saw it just a minute ago when when you. When he described the child, you know, going off, sweetie, where was that? Before that, yeah.
4: Where you don't put a
0: curb on it on two seventy eight, isn't that? No. Um, what? What isn't that?
1: Does it to where's a trivial the? Tr- to
0: yeah. yeah, that's just 24. Yeah, that's above it. Men therefore need the restraint of laws, needed a ruler able to at least discern it. That is, there has to be, and this is the true tower, whoever the ruler is, he will not be able to do what he does unless he sees divine law. Because all human law has its origins there. A president, a king who does not take human law, who does not see its original source, will not be able to enforce them the way he should. The Catholic calls that the natural law tradition, and we've lost it in our country. It, it used to be a part of an, a Catholic would believe in that. Slavery's wrong. Well, is wrong. There's things that are wrong. Look at the modern litigation that's going on and what it's allowed, abortion? All positive law has its origin, natural law has its origins. And why do we go to civil war over slavery? Because it's against our nature, it's a, i.e., it's against God's law. When you start making human laws contrary to God's law, something's going to happen. So he's saying um, men therefore needed the restraint of laws, needed a ruler able to at least discern the towers of the true city true their laws are there but who enforces them no one because the emperor's lost his place the pope's taken it over he rules everything he has too much power That's he true. cannot enforce the laws the way caesar should remember there are two powers given mm-hmm. a caesar given right. on rome there was two sons the road to this world the one to god the one has put out the other's light the sword is now one with the crook and fused together Things must bring about misrule.
4: Because doesn't that mean that the Pope now, when you fuse the right. two, right. that he does have the power, and he has the power of the sword to do what he wants? Well, that's so the, he has but, the have to, might to do what, you, know, you don't we agree. have to look at but Italian I w- history. I would
3: think that would mean he's um, aligned politically and lost the, the spiritual authority. Yeah,
4: spiritual no, no, maybe, yeah maybe the religious authority. Not going the right path, but that seemed to No, me. hold on.
0: Just remember <laughs> what Christ's words were. Give the Caesar one to Caesar. What is Caesar? Yeah. Give <laughs> We went through, all the church fathers, early all the all the early church went up to Augustine believes it, same time. Everyone, if you follow the church fathers on, not a question. Given a Caesar if you read Thomas's treatise on politics, on law, it's one of the most amazing documents he wrote. Law's rooted in reason, it's rooted in our nature. Its end is freedom. The laws have to be enforced. When you don't, chaos. Christ, the, the origins of this all the early church fathers, all of them there are two powers two powers the spiritual, the temporal Caesar, Christ given to Caesar Caesar has rule and what happens when you get a Well, this was the function of the Plato's Republic God, I'm just what was the truth of Plato's Republic gone through this his whole argument was to show that there was a nature to the soul that the soul had a certain nature if political regimes were formed that were out of accord with the nature of the soul, what happens to that regime? False. Yes. It'll destroy itself. It'll become a it'll become a, a totalitarian form of some form of despotism, tyranny. It'll be out of tune with human nature. How many rulers today, ruling in the rule world, have a sense of that there is a nature to humans and and legislate laws that are in accord with that nature. America. Pew.
3: But, but how do you reconcile where people's gods are, are saying different things are right?
0: Well, look at, I mean, my answer to that, Carl, is look at the regimes. I mean, well, take take, take an Islamic... It doesn't
3: reconcile what the people think their god is saying or telling them mm-hmm. is right. Sorry? The question was, yeah. how do you reconcile when there are differences in what people believe, their gods say right. are the truth, yeah, right? The the right well, natural laws. Their
0: natural laws, right? My answer. I mean, I think there's an, can't be a doubt about what my answer to that will be. Um, my answer is my answer. How do you reconcile it? Is I, that's that's a subtler question. But let me let me try to go back a couple of steps. If there's only one true God. If there is. Either Christ is a madman or he's the true God. If there's only one true God, then the other gods are mistaken in some way. I mean, whatever the people think about him, whether it's um, Allah or um, um, Yahweh. Um, if you look at the regimes that um, come out of those beliefs, my argument would be the laws that they make don't conform to it, Human nature and what you see are subtle forms of tyranny, oppression against women. I mean, say saying obvious, or abortions, or killing kids, or to the degree that we've lost our Christian heritage, we're slipping into those same disorders. The practical answer to your question, and I hope this is such a, it's a much larger issue. I mean, we don't have time for it. The practical answer is is that you get into a a discussion to hopefully to find some common ground. It makes it possible for you to live together in a political world with political differences. It's really interesting for me to watch what's going on with this Islamic woman and the, you know these comments she's making about anti-Semitism. They're tr- right now the effort is to try to, to it's interesting to see where this is going to go. Either she'll continue or they will find a common ground where they can enter into a discussion without people taking a position that would be threatening or harmful to groups of people. Let me put it that way. To the extent, and by the way, natural law isn't peculiar to Catholicism. It was there in Sophocles when um, Antigone, this is Sophocles centuries before Christ, when when, in Antigone, when Antigone goes to Creon and says, let me bury my brother because he was a rebel against the king, the king forbid it. But there's this wonderful passage where she, where she, refers her case to an eternal law. That's before Christ. Basically, saying that that he should be allowed burial within your city, um, and she's and she will go to her death defending that. That's an appeal to, to natural law. So natural law wasn't something developed by Christians, It's in our nature. Uh, the the. Like so many other things, the Founding Fathers assimilated all this stuff from the ancient world and enriched our faith You know, with this background, but the point I'm making is that you would hope that with, with people with different religious beliefs, you'd be able to find a common ground in the way that we understand our humanity enough to get along. But I say that ready to qualify because history shows us it doesn't happen. We, we can go along, but at some point the fundamental differences between us will bring us to a war. Sure, Start clashing. Yeah,
1: well, but because
0: the, because the implications of it are so different, the way they get played out, they really are radically different. So
1: I want to go back to this
0: because so do I. this is ahead. this
1: is the point where he's saying that he's showing that possibly the popes have been taking too much power for sure, Absolutely. not being. So what are they? Are they religious leaders? Are they political leaders? No,
0: they're religious leaders taking too much political that, That's back. what I'm saying. So yeah. even
1: because, you know, Italy is, the history of Italy has always been states warring with each other and someone right. had power or whatever. Right. So it just makes sense right. that, look how far back it's going. Oh, yeah.
0: Remember, I mean, we we started this course looking back at Milton's England and the reformers and that same um, The Presbyterians wanted the... Um, uh, the Anglicans to t- to worship their form of government, political power, assuming control, the religious power wanting control over the state, Henry's making himself the supreme head of the church. That, I remember when we started Dante, that's, that's three centuries, two centuries, after um, Dante. The church has never been without these conflicts, ever. Here, the last thing, um, quickly, he ends Tell the world this. This is bottom of 285 again. Tell the world this. The church of Rome, which fused two powers into one, has sunk in the muck. The, that is... Remember, here's my claim, too, by the way. I've said this with those of you we have done this before. One of the great accomplishments of the medieval church is to separate itself out from powers. That was what... I mean, the, the medieval history is a twisted battle of these two powers. And the church slowly, painfully extricating itself, separating itself out to reach this point. That's why Donnie so critical as he is, and that's why Milton actually will be as critical from a very different perspective. Um, what here, turn, turn to 286. Well argued my dear Marco, I replied, and now I understand why Levi's sons were not permitted to inherit wealth. What's the point there?
1: Temptation,
4: yeah. Yeah. their the religion. religion and and the worldly
0: things, well... Because once they are allowed, here, here we are back mm-hmm. in the Reformation, the criticism of the, of the Reformers, Adulteries. all these Catholics <laughs> had proximity, marriage, children, adultery,
3: right.
0: <laughs> all yeah. this corruption in the Church. Um, now I understand why Levi's sons would not be... Any, Permitted to inherit all because once they own property, what would happen?
1: Pride.
0: <clears throat> Pride and well. and 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 divided interests. Right. Yeah. I mean then you're gonna start serving yourself, not God. And you've got mixed interests. What happens what happens when the king, Henry, can get control of the bishop? When the bishop is given lands and he starts owing his allegiance to the king instead mm-hmm. of Rome. I mean we've been looking at this stuff now for months. Yeah. So the, so the problem is not new. Go back to the Jewish world. Interestingly, what did Pope John Paul say towards the end of his tenure? Get out of politics. Absolutely. Just say it louder. I don't know if everybody... Get out
4: of politics. Yeah. Although it's kind of odd because he was Polish in solidarity. No, and... uh, but right. well, that's... <laughs> at, he, told, he told the
0: priest. Wait, he's not saying... Now get out of politics.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wait, he's
0: not saying shut up or don't speak. He's he's saying you can't you can't you be so devoted master. to a to a political right. position that your loyalties turn from the church. Right. What did Saint wait, hold on. Wait, what did Saint Francis say? Same thing. I'm sorry, Pope Francis? Yeah. Kevin. give him time God God. give him time but
2: King Francis and what he did in China still I have
4: got
3: my head shaking because he said
4: I'll
3: um, let them appoint their bishops I remember yeah I you yeah. remember he's a Jesuit so he's a Jesuit oh my gosh that's too political for
0: me yeah no 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 I know look at China China has mean civil rights and these popes I mean what is there to say except they do whatever. Things that are foolish.
2: But how many how
0: many popes are in Dante's hell? I mean, it's full of <laughs> for that for exactly that reason. Um, but
2: but you never know how God works because Russia had approval of all the Polish uh, cardinals and bishops, <laughs> and, <laughs> and oh, they never picked anything, John Paul because he was so educated, and they thought for sure he couldn't be a pope. I mean, yeah, didn't let's get that
0: had let's go on. R- <laughs> remember you remember. God doesn't do these things.
3: I, mean, I just got to say that.
0: Human beings do these things, not God. And when human beings start doing them in the name of God, when they get these things confused, serious problems always follow. I mean, That's one of the things we're reading in Dante. I mean, why this is... Um, and by the way, Pope Francis asked the entire world to read Dante. The whole Catholic world to read it. It's interesting because this bring such clarity to all, you know, all these things and, and, and makes clear how confused they are. Let's go on. What's the um, beatitude for the level of the wrathful? Um. Page
3: 289.
0: I felt what seemed to be a wing that moved and fanned my face. I heard the words beati pacifici, who feel no sinful wrath.
1: Oh, Peacemakers, right. On the mm-hmm. there.
0: Blessed are the Peacemakers. The answer to the wrathful, is everybody clear? Mm-hmm. What? How, how is the description of the angel fitting for this level? I felt what seemed to be a wing that moved. He doesn't see him. Why is that important here? Well, he said it. You wouldn't say Well, he can't see it, the light's too. I think it's also that... Um, He's completely effaced. His self isn't there.
1: So he lacks the ability to see. No, No. the angel is effaced. Oh, the angel. Oh, Oh, okay.
0: The the answer to wrath, if you're trying to do away with it, the the best. I mean, what you want to do. I mean, first of all, you you. you, I mean, this is God. This stuff is so subtle. Anger's not a sin. Which, which should be in the place of wrath if there's a real wrong you've got to address as anger, not wrath. But the answer to it is, blessed are the peacemakers, You know, the, those who are peaceful, who will bring a peace. For anybody to do that, in a sense, they have to put themselves away. They cannot let themselves get it. What's behind every one of these sins? Mm-hmm. Selfishness. Right. Pride, mm-hmm. envy, wrath. Mm-hmm. All have the self at the center. center.
1: Right. Right. Okay, self-centered. <coughs>
0: so here it's to me I think it's fitting that the angel can't even be seen um, okay quick now this is where the, the the center comes and I want to be careful because we've got to be getting yeah I've got to do this really quickly here turn to um,
3: These these are the
0: first of of the um, major discourses, and this one is right at the center. Dante wants to know about love and the workings of penance because that's what purgatory is. It's what the church is here to do, is to help us become purified. That um, (coughs) that we go through a purification so that we can be with Christ, present with him. 290, that love of good which has failed to satisfy the call of duty here is fortified. Deore, once sluggish, now is plied with zeal. Um, The sun is going down. And remember, Dante can't move when the sun goes down, so they've got to make use of the time. Mm -hmm. 290, neither creator nor his creatures, ever my son lacked love. Why is that? Because the Creator... Think about how different this is from Calvin. Calvin said some people are created damned. Dante says, Neither Creator nor His creatures ever my son lack love. There are, as you well know, two kinds, the natural love, the... Ra- I want everybody to follow this really closely because this is the center. There's two loves. One's natural, the other rational. Natural love may never be at fault. Hold on to that. The other may, by choosing the wrong goal, by insufficient or excessive zeal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. While it's fixed on the eternal good and observes temperance, loving worldly goods, it cannot be the cause of sinful joys. Love will not bring in sin so long as it's temperate in its way of dealing with the world. But when it turns towards evil or pursues some good with not enough or too much zeal, the creature turns on its creator then. So you can understand how love must be the seed of every virtue growing in you and every deed that merits punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, Since it's a fact that love cannot ignore the welfare of its loving self, there's nothing in the world can hate itself. And let hold on to this because I know some people are going to say you hate yourself. I don't believe... this is Dante. If you've been raised well... but but obviously not everybody is. Yeah. I mean some people grow up with a, a self-abhorrence Imagine somebody growing up... We did this with um, Moby Dick. Picture Ahab growing up believing that he was predestined to be damned. The whole the whole Moby Dick is being with this notion, dealing with this notion of predestination. There is this evil in the world that nobody can escape. It's inherently there. Um, now, since it's a fact that love cannot ignore the welfare of its loving self, there's nothing in the world can hate itself. And since no being can be conceived as being all in itself severed from the first being no creature has the power to hate his God so it follows if I argue well that evil that man loves must be his neighbors this love springs up three ways so the first level of hell are loving neighbors wrong here's the structure Here's, here's the outline of our struggle to overcome sin There is a man who sees his own success connected with his neighbor's downfall. Thus he longs to see him fall from imminence. Mm -hmm. Next, he who fears to lose honor and fame, power, and love, if his neighbor rises, vexed by this good he wishes for the worst. If I don't get it, I don't want him to have it. Finally, he who wronged flares up in rage. With his great passions for revenge, he thinks only how to harm his fellow man. So what's the object of these first three levels? the love of evil for another we don't want the good for another being we want evil pride, envy wrath this is so important this this runs absolutely counter to all the protestant reformers every one of the Protestant reformers every major one said man's, com- man's fall was complete he is inherently evil imagine raising kids under that
3: mm.
0: Dante's saying no 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 every human being is made good in God's image what we do with that person so what's the cause of evil love God made nothing bad everything he made is good The cause of evil is love. How many people in the modern world can twist their head around that? Because we love the wrong way. We love the wrong thing. We want harm to come to people in our pride, in our envy, in our wrath. This threefold love is purged by those below. Now I would have you know the other kind love that without measure pursues its good. Um... All of you vaguely apprehend and crave a good with which your heart may be at rest. All of us long to be in the possession of that which we want most, to rest in it, ultimately God. If you aspire to or grasp at it with only lukewarm love, then on this ledge you will be punished once you've confessed. What ledge are they at? This. So here's the division. The threefold, here it is again, the trinity. Slothful this is love of evil for another this is this is this whole upper level is love of natural goods we love the good in the world the slothful is where people are trying to move themselves make themselves love more because they were slothful they were too indifferent they just let things go mm-hmm. they didn't lo- their love was lukewarm it wasn't there wasn't an ardor with christ Another, another good there is, it brings not joy, not perfect joy, for it is not the true essence, the fruit and root of every good. The love that yields excessively to this is purged above on us in three terraces. What are they? Oh. Averice, gluttony, gluttony and lust. So um, purgatory is actually learning to order our souls. The worst sins involve wanting evil to another, not wishing the good. Up above these spiritual, these are the spiritual sins and the root of these. Up above these are natural goods, things that we should love, temperately. Sloth is not loving enough, and all of these loves are loving excessively, more than they should. The one closest to real love? Lust. What's our greatest problems Universally, I think. I mean, sexual... That you know that's it's a claiming, I hope I'm not out of place here that Freud certainly believed that. <laughs> oh, I think Freud. That really Freud had it really but yeah. Freud had problems. <laughs> um, it's the closest because lust is the one that gets closest to loving another person. Now quickly here, because I want to do this, sorry, but while Dante's doing this, um, we'll we'll start here in nine, uh, two ninety two, but I want I want to take a minute here if you can before we leave quickly I want to go back and pick up there Dante falls asleep and in his sleep he's visited by this woman turn over to 298 I think this goes to boundaries I think it was wasn't it you what can you have a question about the I don't never mind <laughs> 298 Dante's dreaming He's fallen asleep. Remember, he's on the level of the slothful. Mm-hmm. He's about to rise to the level of natural goods, where the penitents are gonna to have to learn to put away excessive loves, loving things too much. And he has a dream. There came into my dream a woman stuttering, cross-eyed, and stumbling along her main feet, with ugly yellow skin and hands deformed. I stared at her, and as the sun revives a body numb by the night's cold, just so my eyes upon her work to free her tongue and straighten out all her deformities. Gradually suffusing her wan face with just the color love would have desired. And once her tongue was loosened by my gaze, she started singing. And the way she sang captured my mind. It could not free itself. I am, she sang, the sweet siren. I am whose song beguiles the sailors at mid-sea, enticing him, inviting them to joy. By the way, I don't want to miss it. How does Proofrock end. The images of those sea maidens mm-hmm. singing mm-hmm. and voices waking and we drowned. Mm. Hold on to that. My singing made Ulysses turn away from his desired course, who dwells with me seldom departs. I satisfy God, this is frightening. I satisfy. So those of you who've done the Odyssey with me, remember the sirens was one of the temptations. He had the men tie him to the mast so he could hear it. And made the other men plug up because he, he wanted always to excel. So he managed to get through without dying. But when he approached the shore, what he saw were the, the shoreline strewn with skeletons. Because her voice was so enchanting that men could not escape it. Okay. Oh, wow. My singing made Ulysses turn away, um, who dwells with me, seldom departs, I satisfy so well. Her lips had not yet closed when they were separated. Appeared a saintly lady standing at my side, ready to foil the siren's stratagem. Virgil, Virgil, who is this? She cried with indignation. She's angry at Virgil. Virgil moved towards her, keeping his gaze fixed on that noble one. He seized the other, this siren, ripped off her garments, exposing her as far down as the punch. The stench poured forth from her and woke me from my sleep. Okay, what's going on here? By the way, notice where this is here, placed right here in the middle, before Dante takes on the highest ledge. So this is very close to the center of the whole work. What's going on? By the way, the the prototype for this would be Odysseus's journeys and his encounter with the with the sirens. Those of you who have done that with me will remember it. I hope. What's going on here? to dissuade him from going
4: further. Hmm? It's
0: almost
4: as if it, it, it is trying to dissuade him from going further. But this troubles d- me because how does that allow us to purgatory by God? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's it's wait, wait, I know, wait. <laughs> Just kind of like the whole Julius. I put it <laughs> even harsher. It's, she's not trying to... If Dante, if, if Dante was not wakened, what would happen? Um, apparently. apparently I mean, right. she has him. Yeah. <laughs> Who is she? What's going on here? We've got a. Let me put this differently. Where does the siren get this power over Dante? From his own Who dwells with me seldom departs, I satisfy so well. Day, what does that mean? Explain it. Well, What's
1: I'm looking at her. Yeah.
0: nothing. What happens? Here, follow this. There came into my dream a woman stuttering, cross-eyed, stumbling along on her main feet with ugly yellow skin and hands deformed. I stared at her, and as the sun revives a body numb by the night's cold, just so my eyes upon her worked to free her tongue and straighten out all her... T- Suddenly, he wanted her with just the color love would have desired. Once her tongue is freed, she started singing. He can't tear himself away. Um, who dwells with me seldom departs, I satisfy so well.
4: Getting lost in his desires? In the siren
1: that comes straight home? Mm hmm. He, he made her beautiful,
0: maybe. He did?
2: <laughs> he created her in his own mind. Meaning what? Um, she was no longer the stuttering, and I mean, he was now seeing her as someone he wanted.
0: This is Dante's critique of idolatry. Go back to where our, our starting point. If if our love was, if, if God created us with an infinite capacity to desire, desires that are infinite, they won't be quiet until they rest. St. Augustine, my heart is restless <laughs> until I rest in thee. If desires are infinite and we turn them towards earthly things, what's going to happen? One is they won't satisfy because they're not, right? The other is if we start with this love, we will always make more of them than is there. That's what idolatry is. We love something in excess of its nature. If that, if that original love we had was towards God and we turn it towards ourselves and we start turning that towards another, what will we make of that other? Let me bring this down to earth. When young couples fall in love, do they ever think, six months from now I'm going to hate her or I'm going to hate him what happens at one moment they look at that other person as if that person is everything in the world nobody's more beautiful, nobody's more handsome there's this the church calls it concupiscence this infinite longing that we turn towards another to make of that other something greater than God when that happens that thing takes possession of us Where does this love come from? Wait, where does this power that she has over him come from? From him. Him. I stared at her as the sun revives a body numb by the night's cold, just so my eyes upon her work to free her tongue. There's that romantic. This is Dante's critique of romantic love. I can't believe all of us don't know it. (laughs) Um, And why is it appropriate here? Because he's going to have to learn to to back off, to be more temperate in his love of earthly things. Because the danger is we make too much of them. The church calls that idolatry. Okay, I got that. Okay. Any questions? Any questions? <laughs> Next week we're going to we're going to finish the purgatorial by the way, I I said this in my prayer before you all go um, um, we will be praying for you I would like to ask everybody to pray for Suzanne and me I hope everybody has a good Lent that this is a really that that doing Dante helps us all that it doesn't just stay on the page for us that, that what we're learning we're somehow carrying in, making a difference in what we're doing Otherwise, I don't know why we're doing it. Anyway, I hope you all have a, a really good Lent. All of you have a really good Lent. In fact, let me put it differently. I, I hope, I hope we're all climbing that mountain together. How's that? Hope for us all. I'd be glad. I'd be glad to feel we had each other's company.